Welcome, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. A lady posted on my Facebook business page a comment about her hard-hearted husband. Those were her words, not mine. There was a picture of her and her husband in in the little profile pic that it gives, and she was criticizing him publicly. Biblically, we would call this gossip and slander. And so, well, what we did is what we had to do. We deleted her comment from our page where more than 12,000 folks could have seen it. Her post, it was surreal. I sat there for a while just looking at it. It was so odd I tried to imagine several of my friends, like if they went on their Facebook page and said something critically slanderous or gossipy about their spouses, how how surreal that would be. I don't know this lady, of course, but it was also it was ironic, it was weird, and it was it was inappropriate. Let let me illustrate. Imagine a person standing in a room of twelve thousand people and slanders her husband because he's not walking with the Lord according to her perspective. Now, I say according to her perspective. I'm not, I'm not negating what she's saying in the sense that I don't believe her. I do believe her, but also, again, we want to be biblical, and in order to believe her fully, we have to search out the matter. And so I have to add that caveat, even though I'm inclined to believe her, but still yet is according to her perspective. And so imagine a person standing in a a room, an auditorium of 12,000 people, and they slander their husband. Or imagine this, you walk up uh, to a stranger on the street and you start berating your husband or berating your spouse to that stranger. Now, there are many elements that come to mind about her content, and so I decided to make this a podcast to interact with some of those things. You see, Facebook and other social media platforms are not going to go away anytime soon. And so it's vital to have a theology for social media. Because of its ubiquitous nature, it is omnipresent. More than 2 billion people currently, I think that's the latest number that I heard, are are uh, active on Facebook, which, in fact, if Facebook were a country, it would be the largest country in the world by a long shot. And so the possibility of not using a social media platform like this, using it redemptively, is pretty high. And that's why it's vital that we have a theology for social media And so this is episode 209, and if you want to read what I'm going to share with you, you can go to these show notes, and you're welcome to read everything that I'm sharing here. And of course, you're welcome to share these things with other people as well. Let me make an appeal to you. Thank you for those of you who listen to the Life Over Coffee podcast. And if you would, would you help us? Would you go on the platform that you listen to? to this podcast, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to this, and would you give us a five-star rating and write a review? This will help us rise in the rankings, and it will allow us to reach more people. And so if you are benefiting from this podcast, you can help us share this podcast by writing a review. Would you take just a few minutes 
to do that. Give us a nice star rating and then uh, write a review, and that would be so helpful. This is episode 209. The title of it is Stop Criticizing Your Spouse and Friends on Facebook. If you have a question that you would like for me to interact with uh, in the Life Over Coffee podcast, please send it in and ask. I would love to consider it. One of the more recent podcasts that I did, a lady wrote in and asked if I would do one on how to leave a legalistic church, and I did that, and it was well-received by a lot of people. We had a lot of listeners of that specific podcast, and I'm glad that she wrote in asking that question, and we would love to serve you that way as well. If you do write in and have a question, we will flatten it out. We won't use your name unless you want us to. It just depends, but we won't use your name. We'll flatten it out. You flatten it out as well. Don't share specific information because it's really about the substance of your question that's important, not geography, where you live, or your name, or the other people that that's involved. She just asked a very basic question. Would you do a podcast on how to leave a legalistic church? And so I did that. And this one here, episode 209, stop criticizing your spouse and friends on Facebook. And so I want to interact with that here. One of the first things that I think is important for us to understand, I talked about the ubiquitous nature, this omni present nature of Facebook and the ease of accessibility. Anybody can get on it. There used to be a day when you had a complaint. You really didn't have a a megaphone or a platform in which you could voice that complaint. But Facebook, because of the omnipresent nature of it and the accessibility of it, it's almost like it's lulling us to sleep where we are forgetting Christian propriety, we're, we're forgetting our biblical moorings, and we're using, we're using this platform really like our cultural counterparts who do not know the Lord. It, is a, it, it's, it says, though, we believe we are a closer community than we are. So we have friends on Facebook. I have, I don't know, over a thousand friends on my profile page, but I don't know these people. And in the purest sense of the word, they aren't my friends, and I'm not going to be sharing such personal matters on my profile page. And of course, on the business page, there's over 12,000 people that, that follow our business page, and I thank God for each and every one of them. But it can lull you to sleep as though you think that you are in a closer community but we aren't. And this misperception will tempt some individuals to lower the guard of biblical propriety and say things that they would never say in real life to people that they don't know. Or I hope to God that they don't go around and blabbing these things to strangers about their spouses or close friends, their relatives. How many times have you read a comment on social media about a person that was behind the back of the targeted person like what this lady did. Imagine the same scenario in your local church. Let me lay it out this way. You connect with a friend on Sunday morning, and you share something innocuous with someone about a friend of yours. And so you meet with this person and at the Sunday morning church meeting, and you're talking about your friend to this person. And the person with whom you're sharing slanders your friend. 
We call this gossip, slander, defamation. You see, the ease of accessibility of Facebook has tainted us to riff on whatever is going through our minds. It is dumbing us down. I've written several uh, articles and done several podcasts on the idea of having a critical free community on our Facebook page. And in those articles, in fact, some of them are embedded here in these show notes. But one of the points that I make is that we have a lot of people that come to us. Some of them do not know the Lord. Some of them are burnt out on Christianity, and they're looking for a safe place where they they can come. And, And so when people come to our ministry page and they start riffing on whatever is going on in their minds or they're being harsh or critical or negative about either people or even about us for that matter— well, then we delete those comments. We don't permit them because we, we want people to come here and find it as a place of encouragement. You can go somewhere. and There is a biblical way to talk about the, the negative things that you perceive or the things that trouble you. But our business page, our ministry page is not for that. But again, it's the ease of accessibility of Facebook. It is though it has trained us, that it has dumbed us down. This problem is so significant that some believers show no discretion, which hinders their Christian influence, and that is unfortunate. Now, I do want to make a distinction between speaking against a public matter that is reported from many outlets and platforms and talking about a personal matter between you and another individual. For example, we gather around our water coolers or or in other places, even in our local churches, and we, we talk about sports. We talk about athletes. We talk about the quarterback who botched up the play on Sunday. We talk about our uh, favorite college team, whatever that may be. Those are Those are widely reported public matters that we talk about. Of course, when you talk about it, you want to talk about it biblically in a redemptive way. We also talk publicly about politics. We talk publicly about religious matters. And so there is a distinction between speaking against a public matter that is reported from many outlets and platforms and talking about a personal matter between you and your spouse on a public platform. And so this idea of sleepwalking, I think we need to wake up and have a little more attention to what we're actually saying as we roll through these Facebook streams and we read a blurb like this lady read a blurb from one of my articles and it it just it really it it just set her off and it, it was she she was agreeing with the article, but what set her off was the relationship that she has with her husband. And though she, so she said this thing, uh, she gossiped, slandered him on our page. You see, there's a biblical process for doing this, for working through the controversy that you have in your marriage or in your other relationships. It's a shame that Facebook has become such an inappropriate megaphone for hurting folks. And I do want to reiterate, as I was saying earlier, that there is no question that these folks are suffering from something. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not mitigating that. This lady is hurting. She is struggling, apparently, in her marriage. She's very disappointed in her marriage. It has not gone the way that she had hoped. 
and she looks at her husband, and he's not walking with the Lord according to her perspective, not meeting her expectations, and maybe her expectations, let's say for the sake of this podcast, that they're very biblical, that he is a legitimate jerk, that he is not walking with the Lord. And so there's no question about these folks that are suffering, but the chances of finding help outside of biblical means like Facebook, well, it's very slim. And the chances of hardening your heart is high. See, anytime that you deviate from the biblical process, well, then you will end up hardening your heart. If you want to, if you need to speak critically about your spouse or a close friendship, there's a biblical means for doing that. The text of Scripture that we use so often that you're familiar with is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If, if your brother sins against you, if your spouse sins against you, you go to them privately and you, you start the process. And, and you share your grievance with that individual. And if he or she doesn't respond with adequate repentance, then you share with another person. You both go to that individual. Now, maybe you would take a third person with you. And so you three go to this person, but there is a biblical process. The process is not to stand in a room, whether it's in in the real world or cyberspace, of 12,000 people and announce to everybody in the room that my my husband is, is a knucklehead. And if he continues to be resistant, then you bring it to your church leadership. It is wildly inappropriate to take it to Facebook. So the world will know about your marriage. Let's say that your marriage was, that your husband did eventually repent. Well, now you've, you've blasted to 12,000 people that, that he uh, is a jerk. And, and we, we're not even a part of the process, and we would even we, we would always he would always be known as this. This is the woman who's married to the man who's a jerk, and he could have repented years ago, but we wouldn't know that because you slandered him in front of so many people. Taking it to Facebook so the world will know about your marriage is it's just a horrible thing to do. Now, perhaps your church does not help folks in these vital areas of discipleship, and sadly, that is all too common. I mean, I definitely get that. My entire career has been dedicated to come alongside the church, to help the church, to have better discipleship practices. The possibility of this lady being in a church where she cannot receive the biblical help that she needs for her marriage It's not a stretch in my mind to get to to believe that she could possibly be in that place. But even if your church is not doing discipleship well, they're not biblically intrusive in each other's lives, there are many other means to find help. In fact, we are one of those resources. That's why we have free public forums. That's why we have people who support this ministry financially. Every month, every year, people give money to this ministry so that we can provide free resources for people like this lady to get help. And she could come to us and she can ask in a more private setting, help me with this. Give me some advice. Give me some direction. There is a biblical process for doing this. But there's another issue that's going on here, too, and 
it's ironic. And it's how her comment describes her biblical illiteracy. And her biblical illiteracy is comparable to her husband's, and that's the irony. You see, she was saying that her husband is not acting like a Christian. Well, neither was she. There is no justification for pursuing unbiblical means and taking unbiblical approaches, unbiblical methodologies, because someone disappoints you. You can't justify that as legitimate as the disappointment is. If you're going to talk about your spouse, do it redemptively. Don't do it in such a way to get things off your chest. That reaction does not ever work. It will only complicate. It will only entangle your own heart. You'll not get it off your chest. But what will happen is is that you will lay a layer of dullness over your conscience. Every time we go outside the biblical norms for problem solving, as in this illustration, if we do it unbiblically, meaning we do it sinfully, we will grieve the Spirit of God, we will quench the Spirit of God, and we will begin to harden our hearts. And so this is the irony. She's talking about a husband who apparently has a a hard or hardening heart, and because she's using an unbiblical approach to, to work through this by gossiping about him, she's doing the same thing to her conscience. She's dulling her inner voice. If you persist in running down your spouse, running down your relatives, running down your friends, you will harden your heart and it will keep you from discerning the Lord. This reaction is a... This reaction to another person's sin will, ironically, make you like them. You see, sometimes in our hurt and and desperation, we forget the process, which is laid out for us in the Bible. Of course, we see a louder version of this with the Me Too movement. Here are a group of people Many people within this movement, I realize there's a lot of tiger owners there, but there are many people within the Me Too movement who have legitimate complaints. They have been molested. They have been uh, treated uh, in sinful ways, uh, sometimes over many years and, and decades, and it is a legitimate complaint. But they have also used unbiblical means of of trying to resolve uh, what is legitimately going wrong with them or what has happened to them. They are hurting. They are angry. They are loud. And this Christian woman is following a similar beat. She has a legitimate complaint, but how she works through her marriage is not biblical. And thus what you have here is this delicate tension of the sinning victim. The hardest counselee, the hardest individual that you will ever help in your life is the sinning victim. The person who has been legitimately hurt, a victim of someone else's sin. But because they are responding to it unbiblically, well, they are sinning. And how you approach this person is one of the more delicate things that you will ever do in counseling. You have to hold both of these things in balance. And there is a process for interacting with the sinning victim construct. 
The first part of that process is obviously listening to them and their victimization and and empathizing with them and trying to understand what has happened and trying to, to sort it out and try to settle down their souls. That's in the short term, and of course that continues on as you continue to interact with them. But you also have this mile marker that's way out there that you will eventually come to, and that is the victim who is sinning. And that is where you want to be careful because if you if you approach a sinning victim in the wrong kind of way, they'll bite your hand off. They re, they really will. And so you really need the wisdom of the Lord. You need the compassion of the Lord. You need the patience of the Lord. You need the courage of the Lord to be able to interact with the person who makes up this construct of, of the sinning victim. And so I want to commiserate, I want to empathize, I want to sympathize, I want to understand, I want to listen, I want to rally around this lady and people like her. But if we're going to help them thoroughly, comprehensively, we have to deal with the whole matter. And when our responses to the disappointments that happen to us are sinful, at some point, you have to deal with that. This complexity brings me back to the irony of her comment. Her husband is a jerk, according to her. I'm not doubting that at all. He is hardening his heart. And out of her hurt, and probably out of her desperation, she is hardening hers too. This is episode 209. The title of it is Stop Criticizing Your Spouse and friends on Facebook. If you want to read the embedded articles here, I would encourage you to do that as I have written extensively on this idea of communicating on social media, particularly on Facebook, which is our biggest medium that that we use to share our content. Therefore, that is the medium where we receive the most feedback and the most interaction, the most criticism, the most questions, the most of everything. And so you can read these articles there. And if you do want to talk to us, if you are hurting and you want to work through something, then I do appeal to you uh, that you would come to us and get on our forums and talk to us, and we'll, we'll try to advise you and give you some direction. But here's your call to action for episode 209. Are you hurting is someone sinning against you or or has someone sinned against you? This next question is is the most imperative one. How do you think about how do you talk about them when they come to mind? How do you think about them? What's going on in your heart as you think about them? Because how you think about them, that's going to determine the interaction you have with them. Now, obviously, this lady here, the way that she thinks about her husband is not good. And it would be almost impossible for her to even reconcile with her husband because her attitude toward her husband is sinful. And so I don't want to negate the hurting or the fact that someone sinned against you, but how do you think about them? I want to share a passage of Scripture with you. The passage of Scripture is 1 Corinthians 1. It's the first nine verses and I pasted it here under the call to action, and and I would want you to meditate on this passage of Scripture, and I want you to think about how Paul 
responded to the Corinthians, how he thought about the Corinthians, how he prepared his heart to interact with the Corinthians. And though he did rebuke them, there are many rebukes in the two Corinthian letters about their sinfulness. He did not shy away from rebuking them for the evilness that was going on in their lives, in their community, in their church. But what I want you to read in the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians is is his attitude toward them. Now, what you're going to read is a sympathetic attitude, a a gospel-motivated attitude, an attitude of faith and hope that he was communicating toward this wild, unruly, sinful bunch of people. He had a heart of humility, a heart of forgiveness, a desire for reconciliation. I would love for you to meditate on 1 Corinthians 1 through 9. And as you do, I would like for you to describe your attitude toward the person who has hurt you. Are you thinking, talking, behaving in a redemptive manner toward that person? You see this also in the attitude of Joseph toward his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis in chapter 50. It may take you a lot of time to get to the point to where you can have at least minimally an attitude of forgiveness toward the person who hurt you. I know of what I speak. I think about those two people who murdered my brothers. I think about the horrific, horrific, horrificness of my dad and the abuse that he uh, did to us when we were children. And I, I would think that as you listen to various podcasts and ways that I've talked about that, that you don't hear a bad attitude, but you hear an attitude of forgiveness toward this person. But that didn't come overnight. It didn't come within a week, a month, or a year It took a long time to get to an attitude of forgiveness, but if you don't get to that point, the next thing that you say about the person who hurt you, you will not say it the way that you need to. You'll say it like this lady here. And sometimes we get lost in our hurt. We drown in our hurt, and it it disguises, it masks, it it overpowers any kind of biblical uh, response that we should have toward other people. And so you have to do this prerequisite heart work before you can ever get to the place of speaking publicly or when you go on a platform like Facebook The words that come out of your mouth will not be edifying. They will not be redemptive. They will not move you any closer toward redemption with another individual. In fact, it will only complicate matters because now you have, as in this case, thousands more people who can read such a quote, and that just makes it a complicated matter, and that's why we deleted it off our Facebook page. And so what I would like for you to do as you're meditating, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, those first nine verses of the first book to the Corinthians, thinking about Paul's attitude, I want you to describe others. And maybe another way that you can do this is that when others hear you talk about the person who hurt you, what do they hear? Do they hear grace-saturated speech? Or do they hear bitterness and anger? This lady is not an anomaly, by the way. 
If she was an anomaly, I'm not even sure I would do the podcast. But I see this weekly on our Facebook page. We're angry and bitter, and most of them are are women, and I, I can't say that I know the reason for that necessarily. Maybe they have more time, maybe like the medium, maybe they're more expressive. I I don't know what the reason is, but most of the time it's women. Sometimes there's a few men, but you hear the bitterness and the anger in their voices as they are writing things on our Facebook page. And maybe it would help you if you went to a close friend who had the courage to speak the truth in a compassionate way to you and ask them, when I talk about that person who has hurt you, whoever that person may be, but when I talk about that person, what are you hearing? What is my heart communicating? Is it grace-saturated speech or is it bitterness and anger? And then finally, in this call to action, will you ask someone to read your Facebook post and comment on the things that you say? If you really want to change, if you're struggling in this area, then the best thing you can do is not go out and blast somebody who hurt you, your spouse, your child, your parent, your friend, your church member. Not go out and blast them about that, but go to someone and get help so that you can address what is going on in your heart so that you can be positioned in a place of of redemption. Perhaps this lady's husband will want to change. The problem is she won't be ready to cooperate with the Lord in the change process because she's so angry. Episode 209. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.